going on guys welcome back to another episode of talking halos i'm your host today jared timms and i am joined alongside brock davis and special guest jacob sis neuros how are you doing jacob i'm doing good i'm happy to be here how are you guys doing i'm not doing too bad jacob before we do anything at all plug yourself where can we find you where can we find your work because you are a writer or an, an upcoming writer that i really like and i'm going to plug you as much as i can next year with my, with my league stuff so Tell us where we can find your work on Twitter, where we can read you, and all that fun stuff. So, I'm a contributor for Halo Hangout, Dodgers Lowdown, and Student Union Sports. You can find me on Twitter, at underscore Jacob Cisneros, and Instagram as well, at underscore Jacob Cisneros. I use Twitter more, though. Yes, you do. You're always on Twitter. You're always uh, throwing some ideas my way, and I, I, I love it. Brock, how are you doing today? I know you got to get to work, or you just got off of work, or something along the lines of that. I'm good, man. Just staying busy and keep trying to talk baseball. Of course, yeah. We have a lot, a lot, a lot to talk about. But before we get to that, guys, if you like our show, if you like what we got going on here, don't be afraid to give us a five-star review. Shoot us a message uh, on Twitter. I'm at Jared underscore Tim. Brock, where are you at Twitter? E-D-R-O-X-8. Yep, don't be afraid to shoot us a message. If you have any ideas, we've been getting a lot of those lately now that we're getting the show going more and more. And if you like what we're doing, go on to Apple Music and give us a five-star review. We love seeing that. So, quick baseball news, and I just want to get your guys' thought about this. I know it happened a couple days ago, and I know this podcast probably won't get out until the beginning of next week. But just baseball general news, the Cleveland Indians aren't going to be the Indians anymore. Kind of interesting, and I'm going to throw this one in there as well. The uh, Negro League stats will now be counted as MLB stats. So I'll go to Jacob first. What do you think about this Indians thing? It's kind of kind of interesting. I mean, I know it's kind of political, and I like to keep politics out of baseball, but it's kind of interesting. No longer Indians. Yeah, um, it's very interesting. I mean... As far as history goes, I mean, I've always grown up with them, knowing them as the Cleveland Indians. I mean, I mean, if you guys watch the movie Major League, that's where, it, I mean, that kind of history with it came from. I watch Major League, that's it's the Cleveland Indians. But I understand, like, where from, like, a culture aspect, I mean, we're definitely into, like, a new era. We're definitely, like... Um, trying not to, like, offend anybody in terms of what the league's going on and, like, certain people. So, I mean, I like the move. I just wonder what kind of team name they're going to go in the future. Yeah, and I know, you know, Rob Manfred Manfred has been criticized a lot about everything that he's done in the past, and, you know, I've criticized him my fair amount. I think everybody really has. And, you know, it, it kind of is what it is. Um, Brock, I'll go to you. What, do you. what do you think about any of this? You know, whether it's, you know, the Negro League stats or if it's the Indians' name. Do you have any, any thoughts on these? Uh, I don't necessarily have an opinion. I'm, I, you know, it's not my team. I don't, I don't really care that much. You know, obviously, I'm, I, don't, I don't have any ties to the Indian heritage. So, you know, obviously, it's not really my place to get offended by it. But if people were offended by it and – you know, that's the course that the team decided to go, then, like Jacob said, I'm kind of just excited to see 
you know, whether they're going to be the Cleveland Spiders or the Blues or whatever they're going to be, it's just kind of exciting to see what they're going to go with. Yeah, no, I agree. And, I mean, I'm the least political person out of everybody here, and I hate talking politics without a doubt. And, you know, it, it is what it is at the end of the day. But like, like you guys both said, both these things that, you know, MLB is doing is cool. It's going to be cool to see a new, you know, I, probably new jerseys from the Indians or from Cleveland, wow, the Cleveland baseball team at the moment. And I, it'll be cool to see how, you know, some, some players match up on the Negro League stats. I, I'm excited to see that. And we have more players to compare the players of present day to. You know, like, what did Satchel Page compare to? You know, is it Clayton Kershaw, Nolan Ryan? I mean, there's so many cool things that we can do, especially I know we're all pretty big with the stats, and, I, you know, I think that's kind of a cool thing to get into. So, guys, on to baseball news, and or Angels news, and we had a big day today. And like I said, this podcast probably won't get out until early next week anyways, but big day today for the Angels as they bring Ray Montgomery and Brian Parker on as in the front office to join Perry Manassian. A little bit on Ray Montgomery is that he was promoted to the, uh, the head of scouting for amateur baseball for the Milwaukee Brewers in 2016. One really interesting quote that I found on Montgomery was from the then GM David Stearns, who said that Montgomery would help help the team blend objective metrics, so new school baseball, with traditional scouting methods, so kind of the old school type of thing, which is something that I really like and I really like to get into when it comes to scouting. I think that blending both those things together is cool. And then Brian Parker is coming over from the Toronto Blue Jays. He was their scout. Actually, he's coming over from the Dodgers, was with the Toronto Blue Jays, was their scouting director there. And it's pretty cool. He selected guys like Matt Boyd, Kendall Graveman, and Jeff Hoffman, who were traded for guys like David Price, Josh Donaldson, and Troy Tulowitzki. So, Brock, I know, I don't know if you know too much about these guys, but after hearing that little bit, does any of this excite you? Yeah, I think just specifically to Parker, I think it's pretty definitely notable with the guys that that you know they got to be able to trade for with those you know with those names on the table you got a Matt Boyd, David Price, Josh Donaldson, Tulowitzki like and Matt Boyd who's who's now a, a a piece to possibly trade for for a certain amount of teams so it's just pretty cool to kind of hear that name tossed around in our organization now when you know it sounds like he's he has a pretty good history of making good moves and picking the right talent yeah no definitely you know and that's kind of what the angels need right now is somebody that can do that type of thing. He was given the resources there in Toronto, and they went out and kind of made a franchise out of it. They were really good for three, four years there uh, with everything that they did. And I grant they traded a lot of pieces away. I mean, Noah Syndergaard was with the Blue Jays. The guys that I mentioned were with the Blue Jays, and it's, you know, just really cool. Uh, Jacob, what do you think about, you know, these moves? you like them? Yeah, I definitely like both of these moves. I know that um, coming in, I know Manassian was um, – he was kind of tasked with kind of restructuring that front office, and I think he's doing a good job with it. I had wrote a um, question to Jeff Letcher uh, about what his thoughts were with, like, the whole kind of restructuring the pitching part of the organization because I know John Carpino, the Angels president, said there was, like, kind of like a miscommunication or just, like, that he knew that there was a problem there, and he just – the team had to kind of solve it, and I think now they're kind of just – reworking like their whole organization and just I think it's going to be a good move in the future for the long term 
Yeah, no, I mean, I think that that's a big part of what, I mean, you meant, you said it already, that what Perry Manassian has been brought in to do, and I, I like the move so far, you know, and it kind of rolls with what Joe Madden wanted to, wanted to do as well, which is bring back a lot of the old guys, and that's kind of what he's doing. I mean, we're going to see Salmon and I think uh, Mark Gubazak, Garrett Anderson in the front office this year a little bit, which is going to be cool, and, you know, Jose Molina's came back. It wouldn't surprise me in some ways if Benji was back, you know, and it'll be fun to see who they bring back in spring training as well. And, I mean, player development is going to be a big thing too. I know that's been a huge problem for the Angels looking at who they've brought up in the past little while. So, yeah, if they can improve in the player development area, I think they're right on. And, you know, we've said this so many times on this show, and Brock has agreed, and, you know, I'm sure you'll agree, this team's not a bad team. They're close to being a good team on paper and you know, we if you watched any games last year, this wasn't a bad team. They just, I think they just hit some bad luck. Injuries has been a huge part of it, and I mean, we can make excuses all day on it. But you know, at the end of the day, you got to win games. But this team's closer than a lot of people give them credit for. I think. Would you say that, Jacob? Yeah, definitely. I know. Well, probably depending on when it comes out, but I know that Joe Mann did a Zoom call hmm? for media reporters, and he even said it himself. I mean, he was proud of what they did with the 2020 season. I mean, granted it was uh, 60 games, but I mean, like he said in that interview, he said that if you look at it, they weren't that bad of a team, and they just narrowly missed the playoffs, and I mean, I agree with them. If they had gotten maybe like a 162 full game season, you could probably see the Angels go into the playoffs as a probably a wild card spot, just because I think Madden kind of started even with the slow start, I think he started to figure out what the team was, kind of reworking their bullpen, like what kind of roles they're going to be doing. And I think if it was just a longer season, I think they probably would have made it. Yep, I agree. And I think, Brock, Brock, you agree with that too, right? And we've talked about that 100%. before. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things where it's a shame it was only a 60-game season because they really started getting rolling at the end there. And you also bring up a good – Good point. I mean, I can't preach this enough. This podcast is going to come out a little bit later, but uh, Joe Madden did talk to me today, and there was a lot to take away from it. The the first thing that you know I saw was that basically the whole coaching staff is coming back, minus first base and outfield coach Jesus Feliciano, which hint hint first base coach and outfield coach. What does that bring to mind, Brock? First base coach and outfield coach. Yeah, is there a certain name that might have played that position in the early to mid two thousands? Like Darren Erstad? Ah, uh, okay. Kind of interesting right there, right? I mean, why? I mean, we know that Erstad has kind of gone away from coaching in a sense, and he was with Nebraska. I believe he's gone away from coaching. Maybe that was Troy Percival um, that kind of went away for it. But, you know, it would be kind of interesting to see, you know, bring the old game back together. Darren Erstad stepped in at first base coach and worked a little bit of outfielding coach because, I mean, heck, he was a really good um, defender out there, or somebody even like Jim Edmonds. I mean, I don't know if that's an interesting name as well that, you know, has played really well in, in the outfield and maybe could help out Mike Trout play a little defense in center field, you know? So, I mean, do you guys have – Jacob, I'll go to you. Do you have any other names? I mean, just those are two names that popped off at the top of my head. I mean, not probably right now, but, I mean, that was just a good negative information you found. I mean, Darren Erdstab, what wouldn't you want to bring just like – like you said, they're already bringing in, like, guys like – um, Mike or Mark Gubiza and then Salmon already. So why not bring even more of like your own former Angels? So I think that's a probably. I mean that would be a good addition for them. 
I know on that call they did say that they were bringing everyone back, and then, like you mentioned already, he um, there was only that one name that had already was going to be dropped from their coaching staff. So, I mean, they're going to have to fill it eventually. So, I mean, why not go to someone that knows the organization, knows Madden, and is probably going to be a good candidate for that spot. Exactly, exactly. And, I mean, I'm just throwing names out there. I don't know anything. I just figured I'd throw that out there because it makes some sense there. Um, Another thing that I took from this meeting that Joe Madden had was that he said that Joe Adele needs a little bit more time in the minors, which would make sense now why they're looking at someone maybe like Kyle Schwarber. And I know that, Brock, you were kind of big on a Kyle Schwarber type of move, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, right? No, I hated it. Oh, you hated it. Who was that? I was talking to somebody that was like, "All right, go for it." Um, who? I mean, if if they if they're thinking about maybe starting Adele down in the minors, who do you put there then, Brock? Well, that changes the perspective a little bit. Yeah, I that think, that did for me too. It's like a Indian outfielder. I think it's like, oh well, I I planned on Adele being out there. Um, I think. See, I don't. I don't know. I I don't think that he necessarily need. I, I don't disagree with him needing more time in the minors. But, you know, our last guest put it perfectly. They said, you know, you can't really evaluate Adele on the 60-game season. You can't really evaluate anybody on that 60-game season. Uh, so I don't, I, you know, I, I, don't, I wasn't surprised of his performance in the 60-game season. I didn't think he was going to blow us all away. I think it's especially harder when you're coming in, not only when you're being told, hey, we're only going to play basically a less than a third of a normal season, but on top of that, like, you're not going to have any fans in the stadium, you know, hey, try to social distance from your teammates. Just like the feel of everything, it's just it's not the same. So I think you know, being a rookie coming in, and especially being the number one prospect in an organization, you have a lot of pressure on you. And when you have all these alternate uh, things going on than the norm, then it would it would so easily I feel like throw off what you got going on. Uh, so I don't necessarily know if he needs more time in the minors. I don't think it would hurt him, uh, but. You know, the projections are not great for him, and I think that's just purely based off of his 60 games, so I feel like they're not super accurate. Uh, but it's definitely interesting that they would just go out and say, you know, hey, you know, he's more, he needs more time in the minors, obviously. And I'm just like, well, I don't know if he needs more time in the minors. He might just need to play a full season, you know, where we don't have a pandemic going on and there's fans in the stadium and it's a different atmosphere and maybe he can adjust and – Maybe that's what he needs. He needs that time in the pros, real time in the pros. This last season was not a good example of development time for him. So, you know, I, it's kind of a toss-up. Maybe he does. Maybe he just needs real pro time. And, you know, I guess we'll find out what they decide to do. But it's interesting. Yeah, you know, and I, I he uh, Madden mentioned that. You know, what, what he needs, he needs a pattern. And you, you said that perfectly. You know, and all players do. Like, even when I – when I played, I had a pattern, what I, what I, how I warmed up, all this stuff, and that's not something a lot of players got last year, and I don't know, that might be something you can contribute to the team's performance in general, and I think it's definitely something that has been brought up with Joe Adele, whether he's said it or not. I, I even think his agent said it, which I think is Scott Boris. Scott Boris even said it um, a couple days ago, and now Joe Madden's coming out and saying it. So, yeah, you know, a routine is huge. I mean, that's a, that's a big, big, big part of the game, and like you said, I don't. I, I would agree with you. I don't think he needs more time in the minors. Is it a bad thing to go put him in AAA where the ball flies and let him go hit 10 home runs in the first month and then bring him up and have his 
uh, ha- have his mind in the right place coming up, absolutely not a bad idea at all to go do that. It's like the Mike Trout treatment type of thing. You know, go let him go hit in the minors and see what they can do with it. But, you know, at the same time, it, it was it was also – it was ugly last year. And you have to hope that it definitely gets better. And I I don't know how – Jacob, I, I got to ask you, how do you feel about a Joe Adele trade? I know that everything's been swirling around that, and I think me and, me and Brock have talked about that. But how do you feel about a, a Joe Adele type trade? Yeah, so, um, I mean, right off the bat, I know, like, I kind of agreed with Brock on this with um, the whole getting Schwarber. It didn't really make sense. But now that Madden had even said about Adele's not ready and maybe he can get a stint in the minors for a little bit, that now that kind of makes sense. Um, I also think, I mean, a trade for Adele would probably make sense. I mean, we had already talked about this, Jared, you and I, on just even, like, casual DM conversation, but it was like, do you think, like, maybe they get a pitcher like Blake Snell or – I mean, just even any top of the rotation ace, like top ace pitcher. Um, I'm not too sure where they would go with it, but I think Adele would probably be on the market. I mean, I probably want Marsh in terms of trade. Like, just I want. I feel like Adele probably just has a probably probably projects a little bit better. But at the same time, like you said, it's just like we don't really know what's going to happen with it and. I think that, I mean, if you find a deal that makes sense, I say you go for it. You trade Adele, and you get a top-line pitcher, and hopefully it just works out. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's. I, I think if the return is correct, then, you know, you, you are able to do what, you know. You, I don't know if Blake Snell's the right guy to go get for him. I feel like you need to go get more for a guy like Joe Adele. Uh, Brock, you have, what do you feel about this? So I just had something click mm-hmm. in my head. Okay, we had talked about a trade for Herman Marquez. Okay, Adele does a stint in minor leagues. Okay, now check this out. Who on the Rockies is being paid around fourteen million dollars a year and a free agent in twenty twenty two? Is that John Gray? Or no? Who are you thinking? Charlie Charlie Blackman. I can see that. Yeah. So instead, because and this is just spitballing here. Obviously, if he's a free agent in 2022, then you know we would have to figure out, uh, you know, something regarding Upton, and obviously we're not going to keep Adele in minors for you know a full season or even two full seasons. But you know, Upton's a free agent after next year. So what if we somehow figured out a way to shift up to the DH and then we start shifting around the outfield to include Blackman, Adele, and Trout, and we trade for Herman – or sorry, not Adele. Adele would be traded. So Blackman in right, Trout in center, and uh, Upton in left until he is gone. And we trade Adele and other names for uh, Herman Marquez and Charlie Blackman. I can see that. I mean, I think that if you're going to Colorado, you're trying to drop the Upton contract. That is my yeah, big, I see that. I, I, I totally think – I mean, that's the only team – I mean, and I could be wrong. I've thought about, you know, maybe Kansas City being a fit for him and maybe taking something like Danny Duffy back. Um, 
but there's not enough money attached there in years, so I think you're giving up something else, maybe like a Brandon Marsh to go get Danny Duffy, and I don't. It's it's tough. Well, what if what if we did what if we did Adele up? Because honestly, I don't think anybody cares about trading Upton. So, what if we did Adele Upton and some very low end prospects or something, and did a Charlie Blackman Marquez trade? I think you're going to need more than that. I I, I think that people think don't. So? I I think that people don't understand how good. Uh, Herman Marquez is. Herman Marquez is one of the most valuable players in base, in, in, valuable pitchers in the NL. I mean, you look at a guy; he had he's getting paid less than ten million dollars a year. I think he's getting paid six to eight million dollars to pitch at a Cy Young caliber in Colorado. I mean, it's 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 hard to you know, it's hard to justify a trade for him. I mean, you're probably honestly, and I honestly mean this: if you're trying to get a De- if you're trying to get Marquez, you're gonna give up Adele. And I, I don't want to say Marsh, but you may have to give up Marsh as well. And I think you may have to give up another piece. I really do. I think that there's three pieces because of how much money he's going to be making and how you know valuable he is. I, I just think that people are undervaluing how good Marquez is. Though, then again, I, I could also see, I mean, the Rockies not valuing him very high either. So, I mean, you could totally be right. It, it just kind of I, – I would love to know how the Rockies value him because I look at him and he could be a top five pitcher in the AL easily, if not top three. Easily, and and he's already a top ten pitcher in the NL. So I, I just don't I don't know how how I value him, and that's why I kind of proposed the whole Nolan Arenado type of thing. Like, okay, take on that contract, move Rendon to second base. You know, you can trade Fletcher in the mix. Go get yourself a starting pitcher and trade Adele as well. And you know, you get yourself Marquez and Arenado. You get already his big bat that he wants, and you get yourself a top of the line starting pitcher that nobody really knows. And it's almost like a Dylan Bundy type of thing where he could become. Really, really good. So I don't know. I feel like I'm I'm kind of rambling on about this, but yeah, I, I when it comes to Marquez, I think that people are really undervaluing him. How do you how do you feel about that, Jacob? I see you shaking your head. Yeah. So um, I mean, I know you've been really high on Herman Marquez for like a long time now. I mean, I've seen it on Twitter. You're really an advocate for him. And I am too. I would agree that if you pull, get him out of Colorado. He can definitely be a top of the tier, top of the line pitcher, especially on an angle staff that really we're still looking for like a front of the rotation guy. And as far as just working out a trade, I mean, going back to what Brock said about maybe moving up in and like trying to fit where like a hole is. I mean, I was watching on MLB Network, um, Dan O'Dowd, their um, GM correspondent. He had actually kind of made a bold prediction and said, "What if you?" take Upton and get, try to work out a trade or something, but then you bring in Otani and you put him in the outfield and just completely get rid of his pitching. Just He was done with his pitching thing. He said, just focus on the bat and then maybe just work on the fielding. They put He put him in right field, but even still, I mean, I feel like the fans would just – you signed him to do bat and pitch, so I feel like the fans would kind of just – would get bummed out just to see, like, it didn't work out, it didn't pan out. So I'm not too sure where, like, the fans would lie on it. And uh, as well, I mean, as far as the trade goes, like you said, it would probably take more than Adele, and I would agree with you on that. And I think fans just need to realize that we're not like the Dodgers or anything. We don't have, like, this, like, plethora of prospects where we can just pick one and just be like, okay, well, we can sacrifice, like, a certain prospect, say, like a, I don't know, like 
low A or something. Like, we can't just pick out any prospect. Our farm system kind of needs to be built up in order to just be, like, that kind of Dodger system where we can be okay with trading Adele and, say, another piece. Brock? Yeah, 100%. Um, I think... I think that the uh, the trade that I kind of brought up with with Blackman, you know, he's only signed through one year, so obviously he's just a rental. So he doesn't obviously he'd bring a lot of value to a team, but with the Rockies not necessarily being super competitive per se, uh, would be a rental for us. And obviously with Marquez, uh, you know, he's I I, I want to say I would undervalue him. I just I I spitball you know trades off the top of my head and try to think of what you know, possibilities in my head. But as far as the Otani thing goes, um, I would be down with that if I think it was actually realistic. Like, I don't think that is going to happen. But if it were on the table, like if, if, if we heard a legitimate conversation happening within the front office or, um, you know, Joe Madden saying, hey, we've, we've talked about maybe uh, putting Otani in the outfield, then I think for sure that, I would I wouldn't mind seeing Otani Otani in the outfield and maybe you know either if we if we still have Adele flip flop and then putting Adele and left Otani and right or vice versa whatever one they decide to do um, I, I don't have a problem with that because I've expressed my concern in the past about you know being a player for seventeen eighteen years you know it's difficult to try to do multiple different tasks at once and I couldn't even imagine doing it on the on the forefront and, and on the big on the big stage in the pros and you're trying to be a ace in a rotation because him coming in he would you know based on his numbers and the pressure he had he was supposed to be our best pitcher in the rotation when he came to us and he's also supposed to be a top three four five bat in our in our lineup and then on top of that we're going to be like hey you know what you know we traded Adele, we got a hole to fill, you know, can you play right too on, on some days? And it's just like, um, I think it's going to, you know, I, I've said this before, I think it's going to eventually lead to picking one, whether it be, you know, defense and hitting or pitching only. And the way his health has been, it leans me to believe that the defense and fielding is going to be the one that they end up picking. Um, and I think that's healthier mentally and physically for Otani himself, and I think that's how we would get the most bang for our buck. But at the same time, it's kind of crazy to think about you have this hitter who, you know, can put in three, four days in the lineup, but then can also give you one day a week on the mound and give you maybe two war on both ends, if not more. So that's almost invaluable if it is possible to pull off. And, you know, it's tough. And hopefully, you know, he stays healthy and we can actually see like a full season of both and him doing them successfully. And that is when, you know, we're all going to be like, okay, maybe we can give this a chance. But as far as right now, I'm not, I'm not convinced that he can put up a full season of both healthy and successfully. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you there. And, and I, I thinking about this as we're talking about it, do you think that, you know, Otani hurts the team more than he he's helping the team especially like as you think about it in the offseason you know as a GM like you don't know about Otani like at some point you think like I just want him playing one position like if that's pitching or if that's hitting 
I just want him playing that one position so we can get everything else filled out. Because down the road, I mean, even like we've been doing this for the past how long? Is it? This is the third off season now with Otani. I feel like we've been doing this almost every single year where it's like, okay, I mean, do we need a DA? Do you need an EH? I don't know. Do you need a? Do you need pitching? I don't know. I mean, at some point, you you guys you're totally right about that, Brock. At some point, you know, you really gotta you really have to figure it out. And if it comes to the outfield, I mean, I'm totally down with that. Or if it's at first base, but I think you have to keep that pitching open because it's too good. You know, it's we saw what he can do, and it's unbelievable. It's the most electrifying stuff I've ever seen, and that's including guys like Garrett Cole, Justin Verlander. I mean. If Otani was healthy, he would be arguably the best pitcher in baseball by far. Like, and, and wouldn't even honestly, I don't think he would really even be close if he stayed healthy because of how electrifying his stuff is. All he really needed to do was get that command down. And I mean, the slider's stupid, the splitter's stupid, the fastballs are insane. You know, I mean, in the curveball that he can bloop in at 70 miles an hour, it's like there's not very many guys that can do that. And we just saw Justin Upton on some show talking about. Um, Shohei Otani being the most talented baseball player, I think he's the most talented. Or he could be the best pitcher in baseball. You know, I really do with the stuff that he has. We just haven't seen it because he's not healthy yet. But you know, I, I just got to kind of propose that. Do you? And I'll ask Jacob first. Do you think it hurts the team during the off season more than it helps the team? Yeah. So um, I definitely think it helps the team just having Otani there. Just like you said, his talent is there. Like he can. I wouldn't say he can do both at the same time consistently because, I mean, we've seen it so far. Like you said, it's been like the third off season where we're still talking about is he healthy, how healthy is he, and are we still going to do the whole pitching and batting thing. And I think that some fans are, like Brock even said, you wouldn't even mind um, Otani picking just one. And I think, that, like, with um, Jared, you had even said, just his pitching is electric, dominant, and it can probably even get better just, like, if he focuses on the pitching. I'd say, why not focus on the pitching? Just see what he can do, and I think you just set the bat down, and I know, like, he'll probably be bummed about it, but at the same time, like, you want to win games. You want to have, like, the best roster you can get, and I think Otani as a pitcher I mean, even I think a couple of scouts I had read when the Angels got him, they said, I know he's going to do both, but I know one scout even said, like, he's probably more value better as a pitcher than a hitter. Yeah, and I, I've said that from the beginning. I think, I mean, he's definitely more valuable as a pitcher. Um, and we've seen that hitting-wise, though the bat's very impressive, especially for a hitter. And, I mean, you still got to remember, he's still young. He's, what, barely 26, 27, 25, if that? I mean, I think he's a year younger than me. So I think he's 25, 26 in that area. So, I mean, you still got to give him time. He's not even in his prime yet either, which is kind of scary to think about how far he could hit a ball when he's in his prime. Um, Brock, what do you what do you think? Do you think it hurt? Do you think he hurts the team during the offseason more than he helps the team with all the moves? No. No, I don't I don't think he hurts. I don't think he hurts the team. I think it's just it's so it's such a difficult decision and as a fan it's hard to kind of be able to figure out which side I prefer because I feel like no matter what, if we're like, hey, just pitch, put the bat down, you know, and he puts up, you know, in a whole 162 season, he puts up great numbers, sub 3-5, maybe even a sub 3, Kane, a bunch of people, whatever, the whole time he's doing that, we're, and if our offense maybe is taking a hit and our offense hasn't been that great, we're, we're just going to constantly think 
think about damn Otani could have hit 30 plus bombs too if we gave him that chance if we let him try to do both and it's just the double-edged sword we do the same thing hey you know stop pitching we're just going to have you be number four in our lineup and he puts up 35 jacks but then our pitching is slacking and then we're like damn we could have gotten 30 starts out of Otani with a sub three ERA so it's like double-edged for me so you know maybe I, I still will you know die on this hill that I think I would rather have him pick one and be able to do that 100% healthy and not have any issues, one or the other, and do it to his full potential than I would getting half a season, three-quarters of a season, at maybe 75% healthy, tired, whatever, doing both. So, you know, and I I guess I didn't really think about that when we signed him. I didn't really think about those aspects of of that. I just was kind of like, oh, sick, we got a two-way player. That's cool. And I didn't really think about those things and how difficult it is to stay healthy when you're doing both. Um, but like you said, he has potential to be a top 10 pitcher and hitter, I think, um, skill-wise. And it's just going to be tough to go down that route of if it does lead to them picking one or the other. But I don't I don't think he hurts the team organizationally with, with roster pickups or figuring out where to put him. I don't think that he's, like, taking up space that, you know – He's. Get, I don't think he's getting in the way. I just think we have to kind of figure out what he wants to do, what the coaching staff wants to do, and kind of go with it and see what he can do. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And, you know, this. I didn't expect to talk about this this long, and it's kind of fun um, just because of that aspect. But I kind of want to, want to move on to kind of, I guess, our last thing. I've been asking this to everybody that's come on the show, um, Jacob, you are the GM. How are you finishing off this team? Well, I mean, I probably go out and sign um, just a top tier rotation pitcher. I mean, whether it's through trade or free agent signing, I mean, I think Manassian even knows like it's pitching. It's the pitching. So I think they, get, I would almost guarantee you that they get a top of the line rotation starter like. It shouldn't even be a question. They're going to get someone that's a for-sure rotation number one starter, and I think the fans will be comfortable with it, saying, okay, this is our guy. Let's go into the 2021 season and just see what this, see if the rotation kind of works out. So, I mean, probably like a bold prediction, like you had said, put me in the GM spot. I say you go out, get a number one pitcher, and then see how the rest of the season goes. What's your order in starting pitchers? One, two, three. Who who, who are you prioritizing? Um, Putting you on the spot, I know. Yeah. Um, I'd probably go Bauer, um, Snell. I mean, Marquez. It's a toss-up between Marquez and Snell for two and three. And then um, I know that there's – I mean, you can pretty much go any other after that. I mean – I don't really see where else you can probably go unless, like, there's a team kind of call, making a few calls, like, hey, we're open to trading a certain pitcher or whatever. I mean, I know that they probably even said, like, a Joe Musgrove maybe from the Pirates. I know they were reporting that he might be available, so maybe it would probably even go Bauer, Marquez, Snell, and Musgrove. I mean, I know you said probably five, but, I mean, there's four for you. No, yeah, no. All I need was three, but no, I, I I like that. I I mean, there's so many out there that you can get. Brock, do you have a pre- do you have like a preference one two three on who you would want pitching wise? I know we've kind of talked about this before, 
But do you have preference? Oh, only pitching. Like yeah. rank in order? Yeah, who would you – as a starter, who would you want? If you had, to, oh, like, one, two – starter, okay. Like, who would you who would you um, go out and get? I'd probably do – I'd probably rank Bauer, Marquez now. Crosco's not in the mix. Musgrove, not in the mix. I do really like Crosco, and I was actually reading uh, some interesting articles the other day. Uh, it was literally, like, five mock trades that the Angels should, have, should explore. And it was Francisco Lindor, Carlos Carrasco for Marsh, Jan, Rodriguez, and Thais. And I was like, I don't want Lindor, but Carrasco would be cool. And then, so, and then he said Max Scherzer for Albert Pujols, Jordan Adams, and Kyron Paris, which I thought was interesting. And then another one was Sonny Gray for Jordan Adams, uh, Vera, and Jeremiah Jackson. Yeah, Those are like the three interesting ones. I don't like the Carrasco trade just because I don't I don't really want Lindor, to be honest. I like the way our infield's built right now. I, I think he's a little bit overrated uh, these last couple seasons, at least. I would rather have Jay Ram personally. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I, I do like Cookie. I think he's cool, but I still think my one, two, three would probably be those three names. But initially, my initial thought was just three three people rank, so I'm going to give you that. Go for it. If I had, it would be Bauer 1, Hendricks 2, Schwarber 3. Now that the Sedell stint is possibly going to happen, we could probably get him for fairly cheap and maybe fill in that gap that Adele is spending in minors, and that I'd be okay with because he could probably get us, you know, 20-plus jacks in the time that Adele would be in the minors. Maybe bring Adele up and then platoon him, um, you know, righty-lefty. And I think that would be pretty interesting to see them platoon, and at a cheap price, it would be worth it. Um, and I think I'd be happy with just getting Bauer at the top and be happy with getting Hendricks as a setup. Um, but Hendricks is kind of swappable with Odorizzi for me. So it could be Bauer, Odorizzi, slash Hendricks, and Schwarber. Yeah, I like those. There's a lot of interesting ways. I mean, I've thought about possibly going the route of looking at a Miami Marlins starter. Because, I mean, they have produced starters like the Tampa Bay Rays have lately, and it's been quite impressive. So, I mean, don't, don't close, don't, you know, turn your back on a possible, like, Miami Marlins type of trade. Not, I haven't heard anything, but, I mean, just throwing that out there as an option. Uh, Sonny Gray is an interesting name. Heck, I mean, Luis Castillo is going to cost more than Herman Marquez, but Luis Castillo is, is a dream and a half. I mean, that would be a lot of fun. So, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of guys out there to go get that are super interesting. And, Final thoughts, Brock, you got anything? No, I just think that there's so many different options out there, and we haven't really had much of a rumor mill at all as far as trades go. We've heard a lot of free agency stuff, but um, not much trade stuff, uh, you know, other than just teams saying, hey, hey, we maybe might want to market this guy. And then you're like, cool, and then it just starts flying a bunch of stuff in your head. But, um, you know, I got some research to do to think about. I, I like the Blackman idea. Um, he's making a good amount of money, but if we could somehow do like a Blackman Gray or Blackman Marquez and get up and off the books and get Blackman for a year and uh, Gray or Marquez as a front line, um, and that would be in, in addition to, well, if it was Gray and Blackman, I would want Bauer still. But if it was Marquez and Blackman, I think I'd still, I'd be okay with not getting Bauer and maybe getting, like, a second-tier starting pitcher to add to Marquez. But, yeah, just keep the ball rolling and keep thinking and start looking up names. Jacob, anything? 
Um, not really. Like, um, I would agree with Brock. I mean, it's kind of in that slow off season where we're just kind of buzzing around with like names and like trade proposals, trade ideas, and like free agent signings. Like, I think like I probably made like a couple articles where I'm just like kind of spinning my head saying these are like your top five pitchers that were non-tendered, and then like these are your top five players that they could probably sign. I mean, it's getting to the point where like it's slow, it's so slow that it's just, like, it's hard to kind of get a, any idea of where, like, a team's going to go, and then, um, other than my prediction saying that the Angels get a number one starter, I think that's pretty much it. That's what you're looking at. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think, you know, it's slow, but I think after the new year, we see it start picking up again, and with it being slow, I'm just glad that we're not hearing any possible Mike Trout trade talks like we've heard <laughs> for the past, like we heard, I guess, before last offseason for the past, I don't know, eight, five years or something like that. Like, ah, uh, Trout should get traded here, should get traded there. I'm just glad we haven't heard heard that, and we're just getting videos of Beckham Trout sliding down in some snow. So, guys, before we go, Jacob, uh, plug yourself again. Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at underscore Jacob Cisneros. And where can we find your work? Plug that, too. Yeah, um, you can find me at, at Halo Hangout, at Dodgers Lowdown, and at Student Union Sports for all the baseball and sports news. Perfect. Brock, where can we find you on Twitter? BDROX8. And you can find me at Jared underscore Tims. Guys, thank you for listening. Have a great and safe day. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.